Welcome to the SBCA Podcast Component Connection. Looking at how businesses around the country are innovating to take advantage of opportunities in the construction supply chain. Now, here's your host, Sean Shields. Well, welcome everyone. On today's podcast brought to you by the Structural Building Components Association and LMC, we are going to talk about pizza toppings. Just like there are hundreds of products and services you could potentially sell to the market, there are many things that you can put on the top of a pizza. But just because you can does not mean you should. I mean, I personally think that pineapple has no place on my savory slice. Now, today, we're going to be joined by Brian Kirkhoff, president of KA Components in Otterburn, Indiana, who's going to share their approach to offering just the right products or toppings to their customers. Brian, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Sean. It's good to be here. All right. So I think top. I'm hungry. I'm hungry too. You're, yeah, I know. Suddenly, uh, I have a little bit of an appetite this afternoon too, talking about pizza, right? Well, and I think toppings is a good metaphor for this discussion because KA Components does a little bit of everything, right? You can mix and match on any given project. Uh, can you share the products you currently manufacture and sell and, and what types of projects you supply? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we are a component manufacturer at art, so uh, roof and floor trusses. We design and produce wall panels and also engineered wood. Uh, most of our engineered wood would be job packs and some unisales, but predominantly job packs. Hmm. We're very familiar with going to job sites every day over and over, uh, mud, rain, sleet, snow. Sorry about that. Yeah, you're right. We're familiar with that approach to delivering our products. Uh, we're not quite split between commercial, residential. On the residential side, which we build a little bit more of, we're more of custom to semi-custom, if you would. Okay. So that house may only be built once. We do a lot of it. Do you do any agricultural buildings, post-frame buildings, any of that? We do. We used to do a lot more post-frame building than we do now, but um, from time to time, we get involved in some ag. Okay. And so roof trusses, what else? Floor trusses, wall panels, engineered wood, okay. hardware, connectors, <laughs> rakes, you kind of name it. <laughs> when it comes to the structural frame, we provide a lot, if not all of the products that go into that. All right. So a lot of things, pretty much everything. So, but you didn't, you didn't start there, right? I mean, you have a family no. run business. How, how did your family end up in the component manufacturing business to begin with? The short version, um, we, our family has farmed forever, still farms, uh, to a degree and somewhere in one of the farming cycles, they got, uh, my grandfather and his brothers got involved in home remodeling. That turned into home building, uh, which became more lucrative. Hmm. And so we, th this was born out of um, home building business. Here uh, nearby uh, Lafayette, Indiana, um, there was a component manufacturer at the time. Uh, National Homes is also out of Lafayette, Indiana. So my family had some uh, relationships with people at National Homes, um, as well as one of the component manufacturers here in town. There's an unfortunate uh fire and they lost their building and didn't really want to continue to be in that game. And so that helped us get started. Hmm. Uh, some of the equipment, uh, their expertise and staff helped us get started in the early eighties. 
Well, in the early 80s, too. So they didn't they didn't run kicking and screaming after the late 80s, huh? No. Yeah. And so you you got through the late 80s, and then you made it through the downturn. You guys are not only doing everything, but you're also set for uh, weathering some pretty vicious cycles. Correct. And, and a lot of that comes from, yeah, we start with high interest rates at the beginning <laughs> to extremely low interest rates somewhere on uh, a path prior a few years. But a lot of that comes from just relationships we build with our customers, which Lumberyards uh, remains Lumberyards. And it's, and it's our team and our staff um, and their dedication and commitment to not just our business, but continuing to supply solutions and build relationships with our customers. So let's let's talk about your customers a bit. Um, I mean, as you said, you know, as a result of your, your company's origin and sort of early growth, you had primarily a customer base of selling to other LBMs. I'm curious, can you talk a little bit about how that model works for you there in Indiana? And then in your experience, you know, what are the advantages in your mind of working exclusively with lumber yards as opposed to sort of what a lot of other component manufacturers do of working with builders or framers and general contractors, that sort of thing? Sure. Yeah, it, it was born out of it was more in vogue back in the 80s, hmm. from what I understand. Uh, and it was born out of a small company, uh, us being a small company, one salesman, and how do you uh, approach the market? So the relationship was born um, out of that. And also that was pretty much how folks went to market back in uh, at that time. Mm-hmm. And we've, we've stuck to our, um, our morals the entire time, uh, even during a downturn when it's really easy to try to you know, look the other way and think that's better. It's not in our opinion. And so our goal all along has been providing a complete solution. The lumber yards help us uh, and hopefully we help them by our piece that goes into the package that they supply. Uh, they have expertise in a lot of areas that we don't and we have expertise in our area that hopefully we bring uh, to the table to bear and providing the solutions that we do. The other piece to it is we don't compete with our customer, which is nice. Um, and that's what we uh, that's what we try to do every day is that it's a, it's, I've used this word a time or two and it, I don't want to water it down, but it is truly a partnership. Hmm. If they don't get the business, we're not going to get the business. So what can we do together to obtain the business and hopefully sustainable and grow from there? And that's what you were talking about with like, you didn't look the other way. It's you remained loyal to your customers. You didn't, even if you right. had an opportunity, like somebody walks in the door and says, Hey, I would love you to make my trusses. You say, what do you say to them? We typically say no, um, but it, what we have, what we normally say is we ask about their project. Where's the project located at? Or are they currently working with someone that is supplying them with doors and windows, loose lumber, trim, drywall, and who is that? And uh, typically we have a relationship with that lumber yard. And if they don't, uh, or if we don't, then we'll contact them. And we usually take that and, and convert it into a conversation with a perspective or current lumber yard that we do business. So just give me a sense, like how many, how many lumber yards are you typically working with in a given year? We will be over 80. Okay. On average. And so do you need an army of salespeople to sort of keep those 80 customers happy? Not necessarily. Uh, we have a handful of outside salesmen. Um, and then we have about same, uh, inside sales, hmm. providing some back office support, um, scheduling, a lot of things like that. And then 
we have a wonderful group of designers that gets to help put all the pieces and parts together along with our sales team. Oh, interesting. And then, but it sounds like not only are your lumber yard customers going out and selling projects and then bringing you business, but it sounds like you're also in the sales business for them, that if somebody comes to you because they recognize your work and want to work with you, you help drum up business for them. Correct. We, if given the opportunity, absolutely. And some of the supply side relationships that we have may bring opportunities to us that we then in turn can work with our, one of our customers to supply as well. Because as I mentioned earlier, they, they have a broader breadth of, of SKUs or products that, than what we provide. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have a handful. So there typically are other things that are necessary for that project. So we get them involved. So let's bring this back to pizza. Um, I, I, I sort of went with that analogy because when you and I talked before this podcast, you had mentioned to me that you kind of refer to yourself as a pizza shop that offers 11 toppings. And I'm curious if you could talk a little bit about what you meant by that comment and why it's such an important part of your approach to this business. Sure. We, um, day one, we had one pizza topping <laughs> in, our, in our definition, which were, were rift dresses. Okay. Um, but probably it was like Calmans and scissors would be my guess um, is what we had. Is it like but, pepperoni uh, and spicy pepperoni? Sure, exactly. Yeah, cheese, actually. Okay, <laughs> two, two kinds <laughs> of cheese. Two kinds of cheese. Um, so we started, humbly started there. The metaphor that we use with it is we don't want to water down our solutions and our products, and we want to be the experts at what we provide to our customers. And so, and we're in the field. We get our, our boots are muddy quite frequently. When you are trying to supply 100 different pizza toppings, it's tough, it's tough to be an expert on a hundred different toppings. So what are the toppings that people are interested in? Um, as we survey the market and speak with our customers, uh, both products and services, then where can we step in to assist? And then we want to be, uh, the ex we want to provide the expertise in the field to handle that. So it's pepperoni, it's sausage. I don't know about pineapple, but <laughs> Boo. Uh, there, there are things that, uh, that we do there can be a negative connotation to it as well. Hmm. Someone will ask us, can you do this? And we'll be like, ah, it's not one of our, you know, X number of pizza topics. Hmm. While keeping your head down and diligent about knowing who you are and what we do well every day, we also have to be open-minded to what comes along either due to economic conditions, take now, um, labor conditions, supply channel problems, are there things that we can assist our customers with that may not be part of the piece of topic that we're familiar with? Hmm. So there's a, there's a little bit of a balance. So I'm going to put you on the spot. Obviously, you started with one cheese. Uh, you now have, quote unquote, 11 toppings. What was the last topping you added? So the last one we've provided would relay into the wall panel business, hmm. which is for, for us, uh, we traditionally have manufactured the, the wall panel at our facility and then we ship bare, but we ship the panels to the job site. We have, have started to provide pieces and parts of those broken down. So we may build subcomponents just like you would sell a unit of studs. So just to be clear, so that's like mostly rough openings, right? Doors, windows, that kind of thing? Correctly. Yeah, correct. Yes. Um, there's some header pack things that we've looked at there as well. And I know there are other folks across the country that are doing similar things, but 
and there, and there is our experience in the residential market, especially custom, there's not a lot of wall panel solution there. However, there are pieces and parts to that we might be able to assist. And that's where this is born. Hmm. There's a big advantage to having those those rough openings square and plumb every single time. They're all the, the right size. Nobody has to measure twice, Correct. cut Correct. four times. Yeah, exactly. So Brian, I, I'd like to finish by, we just talked about the last topping you added, but I, I'd be curious, what would it take for you to add your 12th topping? Like what sort of uh, conditions need to exist? How many times does a customer have to ask for something before you're like, yeah, we'll give that serious thought and we will add it. What What are the conditions that need to exist in your mind? Well, it wouldn't take moving a mountain. I, I will I will say that. But we try to go about it from what what is the field asking for or our customer asking for. So our customer's customer or, or our customer, what was being asked of uh, someone and what determines success. Success is not a monetary success. It's just, this is what I'm looking for each time. Can you provide it every time just like this? So we will ascertain what that is um, and then come back to our shop and fiddle around with prototypes and see if we can do it. Hmm. And if we can, um, then we start to have a discussion of how it works from a capacity and an economic uh, perspective as well. There gets to be some conversation all the way through that, which what's the volume you get to, right? So if somebody was looking for five of these, that may not be what we're necessarily looking for. We could do it as a one-off, but it, it ha- would typically have a little bit of volume tied to it. Mm-hmm. I will, I don't have a great answer on the volume. Um, it just, the infamous, it depends. Well, I would imagine at this point in the game, it would feel right, right? You can Correct. just feel that there's enough demand and there's enough promise or opportunity in that particular product that you're like, even if somebody isn't asking for it right now, we can sell this to some of our other customers and they'll most likely want it because of what it offers. And there may be some adjacent, this may be a solution for some adjacent issues or, or products or other things that we could, we could leverage as well. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, I like that. So ha- have you always been in the R and D business or is this sort of a recent thing? Uh, it's been more recent okay. within the last probably 10, maybe 15 years, but, um, so coming out of the last downturn, it, right. And it, and some of it did was part of the downturn that, um, emphasized this and it gets to be a conversation back to the What's one of the values of working with the lumber yards? They have a broad breadth of cut consumers mm-hmm. that, that they support and supply and do an exceptional job at it. They get to hear a lot more about what someone is looking for than, than we do. We don't see, we're not retail. We don't see kind of hide over in the corner and do what we do and supply the products. <laughs> um, so that relationship and building that relationship becomes important. These things come up. So that's, uh, that's where the, Somewhat during the recession, but also just as we've continued to grow our capabilities and our staff, but also the needs um, that's coming from the field. Excellent. The dialogue gets to be pretty important. Well, Brian, thank you so much for being on the podcast. You're welcome. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please give this podcast a favorable rating and share it with others. Also, consider subscribing to SPCA's Component Connection podcast on whatever platform you use most. That way, you'll immediately know when we publish our next podcast. I'd like to thank LMC for connecting Brian and I for this podcast. On our next episode, Brian and I are going to talk more about how his company has thrived doing work with LBMs and what it takes to keep his customers happy. This has been a Component Connection podcast brought to you by SPCA. 
If there's a topic you'd like us to cover in a future episode, send it to podcast at sbcacomponents.com. Thank you.